0: So we're just five weeks away to a municipal election that's getting very, very, very little attention. And there's a new report suggesting that if you live in North York, Scarborough, or even Etobicoke, then you have very little hope and a whole lot of distrust that you're going to get any tangible attention or even solutions from those who are elected. And this is research with the University of Toronto School of Cities and the Wellesley Institute which studied seven different neighborhoods, there were four in Etobicoke, three in Scarborough, and they surveyed about 700 families. And what they found is that there is a cultural divide in the city where you've got residents saying they actually trust their police more than their city councillors, and they don't have any faith that decisions that happen downtown at City Hall are actually going to deliver solutions for those who live on the fringes but are anything but the fringe. Let us bring in a man who's part of the study, Dr. Kofi Hope, an urbanist in residence at the School of Cities and one of the co-authors. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me. All
0: right. I should also uh, point out, Doctor, that you were also one of um, Olivia Chow's advisors back in 2014 when she ran. And this is something that she was looking into, trying to understand this divide where you've got downtown Toronto – and then these other areas that were brought in during amalgamation, like what's the divide? It's not been an easy answer uh, question to answer. And now we have some.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think with Olivia, I mean, it was really interesting because she's someone who had uh, a life history and experience similar to many of the folks living in, in Scarborough and Northrop in Etobicoke. You know, she came as a newcomer, lived in a tower, um, had to deal with all kinds of family struggles, personal struggles to make it. But, you know, because of her life journey, the fact she's living downtown for many folks, she was seen as a downtown politician. And Mm -hmm. I was in rooms in Jane and Finch in places where you could see how Olivia could relate and connect. But I think that cultural divide between suburbs and downtown um, was she wasn't able to get past that in her campaign. She wasn't able to get past that branding as being just a Mm -hmm. downtown focused politician.
0: And then where you've got you know, the Fords, whether it's Rob, the late Rob Ford or or Doug Ford, who have been seen kind of as the champions for those regions and have had no problems, uh, you know, bringing in those kinds of voters.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And I think, you know, when I would talk to people, I worked for many years in the Jane Finch community, and they would say, well, we see those guys in the neighborhoods, we see them, you know, locally here. And for people who don't have much trust in the system. That government will do things for them, that personal connection makes a difference. Even if I think many of the folks, and we saw in the study, not that all of these folks by any means were all like conservative in their values yep. or their policies. It was a mix, right? These are very diverse areas, but they all felt excluded and were looking for someone who could actually reach out to them on that personal level.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen this election. I don't don't even think people know who's running because it's been just a dreadfully put together affair. But when you look at how you broke down the research, you broke it down into five groups of people. So there were the dissatisfied, left-leaning, younger people. You have the hopeful, trusting trusting new Canadians, the well-connected, racialized middle class, and then the high-educated, wealthy liberal homeowners, and then the older conservative homeowners – and when you break down the research, the politicians across the board are talking to the later two categories, so the liberal homeowners and the older conservative homeowners. And so they're not talking to these other groups, or at least the groups don't feel like they're being spoken to.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think all of our political parties in Canada are built around the kind of political divides of the baby boomers, right? That's our traditional left versus right. And you saw that when we did the survey, that there were people who said, you know, that educated group of Mainly white homeowners, you know, identified deeply as socially progressive. And then there was that group that was, you know, older, uh, much more religious, much more car driving homeowners, predominantly white, who mm-hmm. really identified as conservatives. But the rest of the groups weren't so caught up in a specific ideology and would have a mix of priorities. But I don't think any political party and very few leaders speak to that kind of diversity of perspectives that are actually the majority opinions in places like North York, Scarborough, and Etobicoke today.
0: You know, I would actually take it further and challenge and just say, I don't think politicians across the board talk to anybody uh, outside in the the, uh, rural areas. I mean, that's why they feel so left behind. It's always kind of a, I don't know if I'd say pandering, but it's always focused on the urban centres that get all the attention. And so, you know... what's interesting about some of the reporting of the report is that you've got communities in Scarborough and North York, they want actual action. They don't want the progressive kind of, they don't want the bumper sticker stuff. They want action and they're not getting it. So do they, do they actually feel like they're being ignored?
1: Yeah, well, people, and there was a variety of things we heard, right? People had different opinions, but many people would say, hey, we look at just the maintenance of things in our neighborhood. We look at garbage yeah. on the street. We look at the mm-hmm. fences that are crumbling. We look at the towers that are good. And then we go down to Rosedale. We go down to downtown. We see how things have upkeep. And they say, is it because? Well, I can tell you, doctor,
0: it's not looking so good downtown these days. So maybe they'll take some comfort in the fact that the city looks awful downtown these days, too. So maybe, maybe we're sharing this experience now.
1: I think so, but I do think that's a difference. I've even seen it living in Toronto myself, depending on the neighbourhoods you're in. Certain places get things cleaned up and get responses much quicker than other neighbourhoods, and it does tend to correlate to income and class.
0: Yeah. Well, okay. so as we head into this election that no one's talking about and and municipal politics, as you know, it's the most consequential to our kind of daily pocketbooks in our lives because, you know, they fill the potholes and they get, uh, you know, services to us. Is there anybody um, other? I mean, John Tory is kind of the anointed winner right now. But is there anyone punching through or or who should be punching through the noise that that would be appealing to these outer areas?
1: Unfortunately, I don't think so. Not involved in the race at the level, at least for mayor. I mean, I think there's some, some great candidates for city councilor. But even then, part of it is, you know, we've made the job of, of elected official kind of a crappy job in this country. And all the time, people, my peers, folks, I know even myself get approached asking to, to run and people always say, are you crazy? You'd never do that. <laughs> Who wants to be part of that job? Right. We've made it a really bad. And so that is a major issue our democracy has is we can't yeah. attract good talent to run for office anymore.
0: Yeah. Well, if we just get rid of social media, maybe <laughs> maybe that would turn around. But it is very tough, to your point. You know, you want to be able to focus on the job, and then it just uh, ends up becoming wrapped up in a, a lot of bureaucracy. Well, we'll wait and see. I thought the uh, findings were interesting. And maybe this is, I'll just quickly ask you this, um, amalgamation. You know, it's always been, of, you know, it's been kind of a pitch-patch work. Is, is it a direct result of amalgamating?
1: hundred percent I think we're still living with the consequences of it. not to say that amalgamation in theory was the worst thing in the world, but the way it was carried out um, and the fact that we haven't been able to get past those fundamental divides, right you're still looking at it you know 20 years plus later where our our, our, our politics at the municipal level is still divided between the suburbs and the old city of Toronto and we've seen few leaders that have actually had a vision that spoke to both parts of the city.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It's no question about it. Interesting. Very much appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us.
1: No problem. Have a great day. That is
0: Dr. Kofi Hope, who looked into this and is one of the co-authors of this study, as well as a co-founder of Monumentals. So, look, there is truth to this. I mean, I hear it all the time and we've seen it. We've talked about, you know, the two economies of Ontario where you've got the 905 feeling completely left behind, behind in their earning potential. by. Sixteen percent. I can't remember what the number is. And then you got the downtown centers that get all the attention, all the announcements, all the goodies, and they're doing much better economically. And so this this is a problem. And there would be great to get some leadership that can actually fix it.